Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. We're wrapping up the month of October, friends. And if you are 40 years old or over or have a family history of breast cancer before age 40, I pray that you've scheduled or already have had your annual mammogram. So let's not forget the routine stuff, especially during this month of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So take care of yourselves. We want you to be around a lot longer. Well, lately, there's been a lot of talk about Tylenol, also known as acetaminophen, and whether or not it causes autism. For some who previously took this medication during pregnancy, the recent lawsuits have caused hysteria. So before we all freak out, let's take a look at what causes all the commotion, what's caused all this commotion. One study from Johns Hopkins University analyzed data for a 20-year period and found that children whose umbilical cord blood samples contained the highest level of acetaminophen were roughly three times more likely to be dosed, diagnosed with ADHD or autism spectrum disorder. Okay, those are two different things, okay? We're talking about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or autism spectrum disorder, okay? Three times more likely to have either one of those. They collected umbilical cord blood from 996 births and measured the amount of Tylenol and two of its byproducts, okay? By the time the children were an average of 8.9 years old, 25.8% had been diagnosed with ADHD only and 6.6% had autism spectrum disorder and 4.2% had both ADHD and autism spectrum disorder. There was another 2018 study of 132,738 moms and children, pairs, showing a 20% higher risk of autism in children with prolonged acetaminophen exposure. Now, what is prolonged? We don't really know, okay? We don't know if that's daily use. We don't know if that's every other day. We don't know if that's three weeks. We really don't know. Now, women using Tylenol scheduled shorter than eight days, there was no associated uh, increase risk observed. Okay. So in this prolonged, all we can defer is that it was longer than eight days, but we don't know how long that was. The latest study in July of 2022 was a systemic review of all Tylenol and autism spectrum disorder studies. Out of the 44 studies, 16 met criteria for review, meaning 16 said, hey, we think this is fair. We think it doesn't have a whole bunch of confounders, meaning a whole bunch of other things in there that could cause autism. And so we're going to use just these 16 studies. And all 16 of them found some link 
between autism and prolonged use of Tylenol with a higher association with higher dosages of Tylenol for prolonged periods of time. Now, autism is on the risk uh, is on the risk affecting one in forty four eight year old children. One in forty four eight year olds have autism. But although these studies suggest a higher association of autism, it doesn't account for all of these cases, okay? It doesn't account for a one in 44. And so none of these studies looked at other environmental or genetic factors that could also play a role in autism, which we know to be the case. So is Tylenol safe to take during pregnancy? That's the big question, right? Well, with any drug, we have to weigh the risk of taking the medicine versus the benefit of taking the medicine. So if you're pregnant and you have a fever, then you have to weigh the risk of having a prolonged fever versus the risk of a few doses of Tylenol. Now, a fever during pregnancy, especially in the first trimester, we know can cause a miscarriage. It can cause birth defects because you have a fever while organogenesis is going on, meaning while organs are being formed, okay? And we know that people that have prolonged fevers in the first trimester do have an increased association of having babies with spina bifida and brain defects because of open neural tube defects and other structural defects. So the same reasons you shouldn't get in a hot tub during pregnancy are the same reasons you shouldn't let your, yourself run a fever for a prolonged period of time. So if you have to weigh the risk of Tylenol versus the risk of fever, of course, there's a lower risk of something bad happening to your pregnancy with Tylenol versus the risk of a prolonged fever. Now, despite the controversy of Tylenol, it is still the safest medication for fever and pain in pregnancy. Aspirin should only be used at low doses for preeclampsia risk reduction. It shouldn't be used at higher doses, okay, because we know that's associated with Ray's syndrome as well as low fluid, okay? It is not good at fever-reducing or pain-releasing dosage, meaning you can't use the 325-milligram headache dose or 1,000 milligrams of Tylenol that you may see in BC powder because we know that can cause harm to the pregnancy. Motrin can't be used in pregnancy either because it's known to cause premature closure of one of the shunts in the baby's heart called the patent ductus arteriosus. Okay, And that can lead to severe defects or severe issues with the heart and even stillbirth in pregnancy if we do that. Uh, Motrin or ibuprofen in the third trimester can also cause the amniotic fluid to be lower. And we know people that have lower amniotic fluid cause core compression and can cause stillbirth. So really Tylenol is all we have to use to reduce a fever, okay? For pain, the alternative is opioids. And we know that can lead to issues with dependence. It can lead to opioid withdrawal in the mom as well as in the baby after birth. And we know that opioids can be associated with behavioral issues if you use it uh, for a prolonged period of time in pregnancy as well. So those babies can have issues with ADHD as well uh, and behavioral issues in childhood. So these medications have their own sets of issues. Now we have learned that autism spectrum disorder is a spectrum. There are many factors that make a child susceptible to autism, including environmental factors, biological factors, and genetic factors. So it's not just Tylenol. So we should limit all medications, environmental factors such as smoking, and even processed foods for that matter, as these have all been linked to autism in some form or fashion as well. So now that you know a little more about Tylenol use in pregnancy, 
let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 31-year-old who is 19 weeks pregnant with her second child. Her first child is seven years old and was born a few days before her due date. She had no problems at all with her first pregnancy. However, her child was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. She does not recall taking Tylenol for her first pregnancy, but took a few doses this pregnancy when she had COVID-19 a few weeks ago. She was referred for consultation about the risk of Tylenol and association with autism. You know, I have quite a few consultations for counseling about the risk of Tylenol now, because that's the world we live in, right? Anytime we see any type of association, it's, oh my God, what's going to happen to me and my baby? Let me say this. People have been using Tylenol for a really long time. And as I said in the intro, it's really the only thing we have that's safe to reduce your fever. There's no other alternative for us to use to reduce your fever that does not cause any harm. So if you're talking about you had COVID-19, I'm more concerned about what COVID-19 did in the pregnancy than what Tylenol did in the pregnancy, to be perfectly honest. If you are vaccinated, I'm glad that you were because that gives your baby some antibodies to help it fight off COVID and also decrease your risk of stillbirth associated with COVID-19 in pregnancy. But if you have a fever from COVID, and we know that COVID can cause you to have a fever for days, Okay, four days. And we know that people that have fevers can have an increased risk of miscarriage. So a few doses of of Tylenol for a few days is not linked to autism. Okay, even in all 16 of those studies, they say a prolonged use. Remember, the 2018 study said people that had uh, that use Tylenol scheduled regularly for less than eight days, did not have that increased association. So you're saying you took a few doses that definitely you would not have any increased risk of autism. I think that your history of having a child with autism does increase your risk of having another child with autism for factors we don't know. But I don't want you to think that you taking two, three doses of Tylenol to make sure you don't have a fever because you had COVID will have any bearing on your child having autism. There's so many other things going on, like your history and the fact that you have COVID that I'm more concerned about. So I always tell people this, let's not make an issue until we know there's an issue, right? Okay. Your pregnancy is going fine. You've overcome COVID. I'm glad. You're 19 weeks. The first thing we're going to do is look at your ultrasound and make sure your baby looks structurally normal. And then after that, anybody with a history of COVID, we're going to monitor you pretty much once a month to make sure the size of your baby remains normal because we know people that have a history of COVID-19 can tend to have smaller babies. And as long as your baby's size is normal, as long as you are breathing and don't have any chronic lung disease from COVID, nine times out of 10, you're going to be fine. Can I guarantee you that this baby won't have autism? No, I can't. But I can tell you that if we're talking about the few doses of Tylenol that you took, the likelihood of you having another child with autism because of that is very, very low. I also want to point out the fact that when we talk about high doses of Tylenol in these studies, these were maximum doses of Tylenol that people saw. So I always, when I think of these studies and they say, oh, that Tylenols were near toxic levels or why was the person taking so much Tylenol? Okay. So we have to look at studies with a, with a very um, 
you know, a fine tooth comb. Okay. And that's the issue with data and association is not causation. Okay. I want to make sure we understand that they are not one and the same. Okay. So when we think about, Hey, these people that took Tylenol regularly for prolonged periods of time, what was going on? You know, they had chronic pain. Why do they have chronic pain? Do they have some other medical problems? Were they on some other medication? Why were they taking scheduled Tylenol every four to six hours for weeks at a time? You know, so we need to look at that. You know, was there psychologically something going on there as the reason that somebody was taking Tylenol for a prolonged period of time? Maybe it wasn't, but those are things that we need to figure out what was going on before we actually link association to causation. And what I would say to you is you're 19 weeks, you had COVID. What we need to do from here on out is to make sure that we don't get COVID again this pregnancy and we don't get the flu this pregnancy. So you need a flu shot. We're up on flu season now. You need a flu shot. You need to protect yourself to make sure we don't get sick again. Okay. Because if you get sick again, you're more likely to get a fever. And then if you're more likely to get a fever, then again, we're weighing the risk of taking the Tylenol versus the benefit of it. Okay. And if you have a fever, the, the risk is going to be low compared to the benefit of breaking that fever. Okay. So let's protect ourselves going forward. And like I said, a few days, no, I definitely don't think that you're at increased risk based on Tylenol alone, but I do want to make sure we get through the rest of the pregnancy without taking Tylenol or any medicine that you don't truly need. So I always tell people, if you need it, take it. But if you don't need it and you can cope without it, don't take it. And so the case pearl for this case is regular use of Tylenol for fever reduction in pregnancy is still the safest option. All right, medical intern, what's our next case? This one is an email question and it says, Dr. Plenty, I have a four-year-old boy who is very active. He has a lot of friends and enjoys kindergarten. However, I took Tylenol during pregnancy because I was hospitalized with a kidney infection. I read that Tylenol can be linked to ADHD. Is this true? And should I be concerned since my child is very active at his age? Yes, there have been studies, especially in boys, that have linked prolonged use of Tylenol with ADHD. Now, does it cause ADHD? No. And do we know if your child even has ADHD? No, we don't know that, right? So I think that we have a lot of amazing moms out there who have all these questions about Tylenol. And I'll say this. If you're trying to think back through your pregnancy about every instance that you took Tylenol and whether or not it's safe in your pregnancy, you're a good mom. Okay. You're already <laughs> above the curve of mother of motherhood. Okay. You are doing fantastic because most people aren't worried about this. Okay. So you are already the best mom on the planet. But I will say this four year old boys are active. Harrison is three. He is climbing on stuff just to jump off of stuff. He is sl- scooting down the uh, down the uh, rails. He is trying to jump down four steps at a time. I mean, that is what toddler boys do. They do things that are dangerous. So if you think that your child being active means that he has ADHD, no, ma'am. He's enjoying school right now. He has a lot of friends in kindergarten. It doesn't sound like a kid that has ADHD and that's getting a whole bunch of trouble at school. But let's... See, okay, let's see if we can put our child on a schedule 
talk to the teachers and ask the teachers what they think. They're around him all day. And if they think your child needs to be tested for ADHD, then get your child tested for ADHD. But if the teachers aren't complaining about how active your child is and he's lacking kindergarten and he's having fun with his classmates, let's not, again, focus on what's not there. Let's not make a problem, okay? Because it doesn't sound like you have a problem. Can it be linked to ADHD? Yes. But you took Pilo again. I mean, you ha- you took uh, Tylenol again when you had a kidney infection. A kidney infection in pregnancy is called pyelonephritis. Sometimes it can cause very high fevers. It can even cause an abscess in the kidney, which can need to be surgically drained. Okay. So you're talking about high spiking fevers. You have no choice but to take Tylenol. But I know they didn't put you on a whole bunch of Tylenol because we know that Tylenol can actually worsen can worsen kidney issues in the long run, kidney and liver. So they're not going to put you on a whole bunch of Tylenol if you don't need it. They're only going to put you on enough to break your fever. Again, we have to weigh the risk of you having a fever with pyelonephritis in pregnancy versus you breaking the fever. And so breaking the fever is always better than letting you go days on end with a high spiking fever. Okay, High spiking fever increases your risk of miscarriages and preterm births. So we don't want you to go into labor because your your body is trying to self-control its fever, okay? So we got to make sure that we're decreasing the inflammation. That's very, very important. So I don't want you to be concerned about doing the right thing. You can't make yourself get pilo or kidney infection. So you had no choice but to take Tylenol. It sounds like you have a young, healthy child that has a lot of energy, as four-year-old boys are supposed to. So again, yes, it has an association with prolonged use, but it doesn't sound like you had prolonged use. So I don't want you to stress about something that's not there. All right, medical intern, do we have any other email cases? We do. This one says, Dr. Plenty, I have a history of chronic pain and was prescribed Subutex and told to take Tylenol as needed. With all of the lawsuits, I'm concerned that This will cause issues with my baby. How much Tylenol can I safely use in pregnancy? And what alternatives do I have for treatment of pain if Subutex and Tylenol don't help? First of all, Subutex is a medication that is used uh, as a substitute for certain pain medicines and or certain opioids. So certain people are on Subutex because they had a prescription for a chronic pain medicine. So they were taking Percocet because they got in a car accident and they have chronic back pain, or they were on Tylenol number threes or oxycodone because they had an injury, an old injury. Unfortunately, we're on those pain medicines in pregnancy. Those can cross the placenta and the baby has exposure to that. And then at the time of delivery, the baby can have issues with withdrawal, right? Because it's almost like if you stop opioids cold turkey, you can go into withdrawal symptoms, have withdrawal symptoms. Same thing happens to a baby. A baby's been exposed to a short acting drug like a Percocet for a whole pregnancy. And then all of a sudden you snatch it away. And then three days later, the baby is having tremors and seizures and things like that. So when we have people that have chronic pain issues, we put them on Subutex because it is a longer acting drug. Okay. So meaning when you stop it, you, since it lasts so long, you're less likely to have severe withdrawal symptoms. You can still have withdrawal symptoms, but 
you don't have as severe withdrawal symptoms. And we know that babies that are born to moms on Subutex have a lower uh, association with neonatal abstinence syndrome than those who are born to moms that are taking just straight opiates like morphine or Percocet. We also give Subutex when people are used to using heroin. Okay, we can't really condone heroin use in pregnancy, right? It's a drug, right? It's a drug that can cause somebody to overdose and die. So because of that, we put people on Subutex as well as an alternative opioid to heroin so that they will not abuse the drug in pregnancy. Same concept as if somebody were on prescription pain medicines. It's an opioid that's short acting and we take Subutex, which is long acting, and we substitute it for that, okay? To avoid uh, severe life-threatening withdrawal symptoms in the pregnancy. Now, because this is a pain medicine, if you're having withdrawal symptoms and you have pain, the solution isn't to take Tylenol. The solution is talk to your psychiatrist or whomever is prescribing your Subutex and say, I'm still having symptoms. And if you're having symptoms, they need to go up on your dosage of Subutex and not abuse the Tylenol. Okay. I would only take Tylenol for acute issues. Tylenol is really not that big of a pain medicine. It can help with discomforts, but it's not going to get rid of a lot of pain. I always tell people, if you need something for fever, I would take Tylenol. But if you have low back pain, low belly pain, I would do some alternative stuff. I would do stretching. I would wear a pregnancy belt to help lift the uterus out of the pelvis. So that can cause you to have less pain. I would get some um, uh, pregnancy pillows to help you sleep. You know, I would try some other alternatives than to take the Tylenol. But if you're having pain with withdrawal symptoms, you need to talk to your psychiatrist about going up on your doses of Subutex. And a lot of people do have to go up on their dosage a little bit in pregnancy because your blood volume doubles in pregnancy, right? So the dosage you were on before is not going to be the dosage that sustains you the pregnancy because it's like a dilutional effect, okay? It's like putting a drop of dye in a cup of water versus putting a drop of dye in a gallon of water. So the drop of dye in a cup of water is going to look, you know, almost like a uh, light red versus the drop of dye in a gallon of water is going to look super light pink. You might not even be able to see the dye. Okay. It's a hint, hint of dye in the gallon. So uh, same thing. We have to put more dye in the gallon. So when you're pregnant, your blood volume is like the gallon uh, as opposed to the cup. So you have to communicate your symptoms to your psychiatrist so they know how to adjust you to the lowest effective dose. So if you're having pain, we know that you have chronic pain. We need to go up on your Subutex to make sure that you are not dealing with pain, especially if your Subutex controlled you before the pregnancy and now it's not. If you didn't need Tylenol before pregnancy and now you do, then to me that's saying, okay, something's going on. Maybe you're not on the right dosage. Now, the question is, what alternatives do you have for treatment of pain if it doesn't work? We don't have a lot, right? Because you're on Subutex, there, you know, we can't give you acute medicines like Percocet or morphine or anything like that. Now, mind you, after delivery, we do give people, you know, pain medicine because we know that it's painful to have a C-section and things like that. So we have to dose you with some IV medicines. But while you're on oral Subutex, we usually don't give you anything in addition to that, because we know that can cause you to have some withdrawal symptoms if we put you on Subutex. And if you're on Suboxone, it definitely will cause you to have issues with withdrawal because we know that that has naloxone in it um, or a medicine that reverses opioids. So we don't want to do that. So um, 
so you don't have that many alternatives. You have to talk to your psychiatrist about adjusting the doses of Subutex. And I would caution you with Tylenol. You know, every once in a while, if you have a fever, I would use Tylenol. But if you're uncomfortable, you know, I would do some, you know, pregnancy belt, some stretching exercises, some water exercises, do other things other than taking the Tylenol because Tylenol realistically is probably not going to help you as much, especially if you're somebody that's used to a whole bunch of pain medicine. Your best alternative is to talk about your dosage of Subutex. All right, medical intern, do we have any other cases? And she's shaking her head. No, y'all. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope that you've learned a little bit more about Tylenol and its linkage to autism with prolonged use. And the keyword is prolonged there. Okay. Now, if you enjoyed the show, make sure to share with your friends, rate and comment. If you did not, just don't share it. Just don't do anything. Okay. Only if you liked it. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Feel free to check out more on the YouTube channel for quick talks about pregnancy complications and the website drnicoleplenty.com for free pregnancy downloadables. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.